So last Sunday, we heard about Jesus announcing the good news in towns and villages, calling to repentance, calling, inviting people to accept the kingdom, to live under the gospel, to receive the gift that he was offering. He was going from one place to the other. And today, we see him teaching the content of this kingdom, what this kingdom might look like, what it would look like to live under the rule of Jesus, so to say, under to become and, and live as his disciples. In fact, we just heard the beginning of a long teaching of Jesus, what is called the Sermon of the Mount, that goes from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. And these three chapters condense Jesus' teachings on the art of living as disciple, what it means, what it looks like to be a Christian, to follow him in many concrete aspects. Jesus goes up to the mountain, as we just heard. Remember that Moses, when he received the law in the Old Testament, he also went up the mountain to Mount Sinai, and there he received the law. And here we have Jesus as a new Moses, going up the mountain again, not to receive the law from God, but to explain the new law that we would have to live as we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's teaching how to become his disciples. So he sits down like a real teacher, and everyone around him is doing the same. They're sitting down, they're ready to listen, and he begins to teach. So notice that his teachings in these three chapters are for his disciples, not for everyone. Jesus often taught, you know, going by through a town, for example, and everyone who was there could listen to him. But in this occasion, on this occasion, he went up the mountain because he wanted people to somehow set some time apart and to decide. It's an intentional thing. You don't go up the mountain just because. You go there because you have something to do. So he wanted them to come to him and to be open to what he was going to say. He's speaking to those who are willing to follow him, to those who, are, who want to learn more, to those who somehow have accepted Jesus in their life and want to learn, to those who proclaim themselves disciples and recognize the Lord as the teacher, the one who teaches, and themselves as the one who learns every day. So this is the first question that I would like to raise today. Are you here as a disciple? Are you here tonight as someone who wants to learn something new or deeper, maybe, understand better, and somehow apply it to your own life? We shouldn't take that for granted, because often we fall into this going through the motions mode, or at least it's a temptation that we all have, like not expecting much from a mass, after all, just a Sunday mass. You know? And we should somehow shake that heart and say to the Lord, I'm inviting you to do this in this moment. Lord, I believe in you. I want to learn from you. I do think that you have something to teach me today, tonight. I don't know enough, and I want to listen. They were silent, just as we are now ready to receive this 
Beatitudes. They are the introduction to the Sermon of the Mount. They set the tone for the three chapters, so to say. They are almost like a summary, as any good introduction, of what is going to teach in detail afterwards. And all these Beatitudes have three elements that I would like you to consider with me tonight. The first element is the announcement of happiness. They are good news. Jesus says, happy are you, blessed are you. They are a proclamation. He declares that his disciples, the ones who were there that day and asked tonight, we are blessed, we are happy. And he uses this word in a very objective way. I remember when I was a kid, I was raised, born and raised in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And there, my, I, I, I you know, was sent to school like any other kid. But in this particular school, we have in the morning classes, you know, math, literature, and so on. And on the afternoons, then I went back to my, to my home, had lunch, and then I had to go back to the school to receive some of those courses in English. So the afternoon was in English. And I hated it so much. I complain all the time. We had this argument with my mother every single day. Mom, I don't want to go to school. And she would say, you have to go anyways. And I would say, why do I want to learn? I don't want to learn English. We all speak Spanish here. <laughs> we don't need English. Why would I need English? I hate it. You know, I was eight, nine. And my mom would say, blessed are you, Ivan, that you have this opportunity to learn English. You have to be grateful. I'm not. But you have to be, because you, uh, you, know, you are blessed, you are happy that you have this opportunity. And I said to her, I will never use it. <laughs> Look at me now. I should have paid attention better. No? So the Lord is saying, blessed are you in this particular sense, regardless of your feelings about it. You are blessed, objectively. You might feel that and understand it, you might not at times, but objectively, you're blessed. The second part is blessed if, the condition for that blessing. Blessed if you are poor in spirit. Blessed if you mourn. If you are meek. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness. If you are merciful. If you are clean of heart. If you are a peacemaker if you're persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And as soon as we listen to these conditions, we recognize right away that they are like a self-depiction of Jesus Christ himself. He's the one who lived these Beatitudes radically throughout his life. He's the one who is poor in spirit, who is meek, who is patient, who is merciful, who is peacemaker, who's persecuted. He lives like this throughout his whole life. We can read it in the Gospels. But not only he lived like this radically, but he died like this. On the cross, Jesus hanging between heaven and earth, there on the cross, he is an icon, a shining icon of these Beatitudes. Because he's completely poor there naked on the cross. He's the one who mourns for the sins of the world. He's 
bearing the sins of the weight of the sins of the world on the cross. He's meek. He's patient. He's taking it all like a lamb. He's the one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. He wanted to go to the cross. He climbed to the cross. He said, he even said, I wanted so bad to have this, this Pascal celebration with you. I came to bring fire on the earth, and I'm willing to do it. He wanted to do it because he knew that through the cross he was bringing salvation. So he was hungry for that justice, for that righteousness that, that would flow from his peer's heart. He's merciful on the cross, ready to forgive. Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them all. Precisely for that reason he was on the cross. He's clean of heart. There's no hidden agenda on the cross. There's no resentment, no hidden motivation. Everything could, it was exposed, very pure, very clean. He's making peace. He's the peacemaker between God and us in the first place. But also he was bringing peace to brothers and sisters because in him we can have peace and overcome all the walls that separate one from another. He, he's the one who tears down walls. He's persecuted on the cross. So he preaches about them on Mount Galilee, but then he radically embraces them on Mount Calvary and throughout his whole life. He stuck to them to the end. The third element is the reward. Blessed are you if you are like this, like me, says Jesus, because, and then theirs is the kingdom of heaven, yours. They will be comforted. They will inherit the land. They will be satisfied. They will be shown mercy. They will see God. They will be called children of God. So let's ponder these promises for, for a moment. They will happen, they will be given to us if we embrace the Beatitudes. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. It's ours to receive. We will be comforted but by God himself and by our Holy Mother and by the beauty and joy of heaven. We will inherit the land. We'll be satisfied, deeply satisfied, joy. We will be shown mercy. Don't we need that? A merciful God receiving us if we had mercy. And the best, I think, we will see God himself. These are promises, promises of the Lord. It, it, it will be given. And they are the reason why we are blessed. Pope Benedict, who passed away recently, he wrote an um, encyclical, Spe Salvi, about Christian hope. And there he wrote, among other things, he said, he says, like plunging into the ocean of infinite love, a moment in which time, the before and after, no longer exists. We can only attempt to grasp the idea that such a moment is life in the full sense 
a plunging ever anew into the vastness of being in which we are simply overwhelmed with joy. So these promises will happen in the end to us. But even now, somehow, the more we follow the Lord, the more we begin to savor those promises, the more we have somehow some, some, some preview, so to say, of those, of those blessings. You know, when my mother was trying to convince me to study English, I was close to her proposal, so I couldn't have any forward of, of, those, you know, of those benefits. But would I have been more open to that, then I would have embraced the class with more joy, because I would have seen somehow the benefits of speaking another language. And then as I you know, embraced those classes with, with more freedom, then they would have been better, and I would have enjoyed them more. So, there's, there's a psychological dynamic here happening, right? The more we accept them, the more somehow they are anticipated, because more, we more, the more we get them. But it's, there's more than that. The more we follow the Lord, we, the more we enter into His joy. Because His joy, the deep joy that, that was sitting there in the bottom of Jesus' heart throughout this life, is shared with us. And even more, His risen joy is shared with us the more we embrace these Beatitudes. The Catechism says, the Beatitudes depict the countenance of Jesus Christ and portray his charity. They express the vocation of the faithful. They shed light on the actions and attitudes, characteristics of the Christian life. So they depict Jesus himself but also they are, are a call, a vocation. We are called to live like this by, by himself. And this call is repeated tonight as we listen to this gospel. The Lord is inviting us to enter more fully into these Beatitudes. And it is so beautiful to live like this, with this inner freedom, detached from material goods, clean of resentments and grudges, ready to embrace and to love the ones around us, spreading unity and joy around us, serving and giving, living under the gaze of a loving Father, abandoning, surrendering to Him, seeking the kingdom of God. There's so much freedom as you enter into this Beatitudes. The Catechism states, that they teach us that true happiness, happiness is not found in riches or well-being, in human fame or power, or in any human achievement, however beneficial it may be, such as science, technology, and art, or indeed any creature, but in God alone, the source of every good and of all love. In God alone, we will find this type of freedom, this type of joy. We have many examples of this. The saints have embraced these Beatitudes in a radical way. We can think of Mother Teresa of Calcutta and so, so many. But not only saints, even some people that they might have not been saints, but they shown in their life 
the, the reality of these Beatitudes. For example, Nelson Mandela or, or someone else that we can think of. People who somehow embraced them. They knew them and they tried, they did their best to, to embrace them in their life and to somehow spread that light around them. We are all called to live like this as Christians in our own particular place, wherever we are, you know, planted to shed this light around us. So I want to finish by proposing you to like a spiritual homework for, for this week. And that would be to learn it by heart. I know them by heart in Spanish. I can repeat it to you if you want. But not in English, to be honest. But you should learn them by heart. Because if you learn them by heart, then they stay with you. They are in the tip of your tongue. They become like living criterion when you have to make a decision, when you have to face someone who might be difficult, when you are, you know, when you receive some humiliation, when you are not treated according to your dignity, or at least according to what you think is your dignity, or when you have to prioritize one thing over the other. If you have them, if you memorize them, they stay with you. Otherwise, you have to wait three years to listen to them again. So that would be a great uh, homework to go back home and repeat them. And next Sunday, we can have a little test here and to see how you did, to, to learn them by heart so that they can stay to you and become a living word and that you can live with this freedom, with this joy that Jesus wants to share with us tonight.